Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello and welcome to The Parenthood. I vividly remember my early teens being dominated by whispered conversations, revulsion and fear all around getting our periods. In spite of having present parents and being the recipient of a comprehensive education, we all felt slightly ashamed of starting to menstruate, referring to it as the curse. Now I have children of my own, I realise just how important this transition is and how it was the curse itself that enabled me to become a mother, one of the things I'm most grateful for. I'm now in a position where I can influence the attitude towards menstruation in my children. And so I was very excited to receive a book called This Period in My Life, a period guidebook and journal that's intended to help parents and their children navigate the change of menstruation, disregard the taboos around it and initiate the unashamed and forward-thinking attitude of one of the most important parts of life. Joining me today is this wonderful book's author, Saskia Bujo, who after her struggle to conceive was inspired to initiate a more truthful and open conversation around sex and puberty. Saskia, thank you for joining me today. Thank you for having me again. According to your book, 200 million people in the world are menstruating right now. So why is this such a difficult conversation for us to have? It seems absolutely bizarre. It seems absurd, doesn't it? Especially if we think that periods are a sign are the reason why we then go on to create life. It does seem completely mad. But for centuries, we have been hiding the fact that we've been menstruating. And just one on a very simple level, the example in the chapter I wrote called Periods in History, it was really difficult to find um, sources because most of the record keeping was done by men. And women, even in the 18th century, were hiding the fact that they were, you know, menstruating. And at the time, there was a lot of free bleeding then. But it was very, very difficult to find any kind of evidence about how women have been navigating their bleeding throughout the month. And so, yeah, it's, it's insane now the amount of euphemisms that we find. And there's, there's lots about that in the book, you know, from the curse to Crimson Tide to... You know, lots Was of it other Arsenal are playing at home. Arsenal are playing at home. <laughs> yes, made me laugh riding so much. the cotton unicorn is another one. <laughs> yeah, I mean they go on and on, but I think yeah we can't call the spade a spade for some reason when it comes to that. And so and and now we can really feel that when we're teaching, when I go into schools and I teach young people about menstruation, I can feel that the stigma that's been generate just been built over generations is really rock hard. And, and you're absolutely right. I was inspired by my own personal story to write it. 
But originally it came about because I was leaving these lessons feeling really quite alarmed at the state of you know, the attitudes around periods that young people were, were expressing in, in the classroom with me. Am I right in thinking, I think I read this in your book, 14% of women who start their period have never been told about it. So suddenly there's blood coming out of their vagina yeah. and they yeah. don't know what this is. Yeah. I mean, that must be terrifying. I have met young people who have gone to A&E when they've started their first bleed because they thought they were bleeding internally. And one of these girls was from a single parent family who was living with her dad and she just hadn't had any kind of informal education and she hadn't had any formal education. So she'd been completely failed by, you know, every, every support system around her. And yes, young people are not informed at all about what the blood represents, but even more so, they have no clue that there's a menstrual cycle. They're just looking at the blood. And if we think about blood and children's perception of blood, it represents pain, it represents hurt, it represents wounds, war. You know, I can see it in, in my four-year-old who, who falls down and is absolutely fine. And then she sees the blood trickling down her knee and all hell breaks loose. So blood represents pain. And I think it's really difficult to disassociate from that narrative. And so when I used to teach these lessons, I couldn't actually do teaching I, was, I couldn't deliver any content because there was so much untangling to be done around all these myths and misconceptions, which all come back to one big misconception around periods being dirty. And so the worst possible thing that could happen to any of these young people is for anyone to find out that they were on their period. So periods are hidden, period products are hidden, you know, if, if there's any kind of leakages, it is the worst possible experience that could happen to them. So, you know, once I try and do some untangling, then I can finally try and deliver, you know, how periods used to be perceived, you know, as an opportunity to sort of to renew, you know, and, and turn a new page in the cycle and see it as a new phase and... And once I start to sort of reclaim and reframe and, and try and shine a positive light on what periods are a natural part of puberty, a completely healthy and normal part of puberty, you know, you have the power to then create life physically. You know, once you start to deliver that empowering, really empowering information, then I see a shift and I insist that the boys are in on this lesson as well. And then I see a look in the boys' eyes, you know, looking over at the girls, thinking, oh my gosh, yes, this is... And that, I remember one boy once saying, superpower. And that what's inspired me to write the superpower period chapter, because it, I think, you know, in ancient times, it was such a superpower when women used to menstruate together and, and use it as an opportunity to, to unite and, you know, ha have community and... It was just a really, really special time. And I think that has been somehow turned into a fearful, as something to fear, you know. And so, and, and I think it's just been completely lost in, in generations of, 
of taboo and stigma and periods have been given a very very bad name I think it's so interesting you talk about boys and I think that's such an important part of getting rid of the taboo is that Mm. we always think about talking to our girls about periods I must talk to my daughter about a period but how many people say I must sit down and talk to my boy about what periods are and obviously if you've got boys and girls as children especially if they're close in age you'll Mm. probably end up having that conversation but in households where it is only boys or if you've got a much larger age gap say you know and especially if it's a much older girl then she'll be hitting puberty earlier and I'm lucky because my children are quite close together and you know older boy but from the beginning I had that chat with both of them and it was just this is what happens in the same way that I you know you know how a thunderstorm happens you know this is just presented to them as this is nothing to be ashamed about this is simply what happens and you know it gives you the opportunity to have have a child yeah I think if parents often ask me what age range is this book for And officially, nowadays, in any sort of sex ed guidance, they say that puberty starts from age eight. But that's from a sex education, a formal sex education point of view. You know, in our households, there is no reason why we can't talk about all these topics around menstruation from from as early as, as when they start to be able to use language. I mean, there's um, no reason for them not to know, is there? As long as we're age-appropriate, obviously. Yeah. And, but when and it comes we to know periods, children. you know, if we explain to them what a runny nose is, yes. like, why would you not, could you not explain to them what a period is? I just, it baffles yeah. me, actually. Yeah. And parents often say, well, how did you start the conversation? And I say, well, I'm sure you've got some tampons lying around your house. And just using those triggers for, for facilitating conversations and... And I think, you know, parents are also worried that it's going to be so much about sex. And yes, obviously, when, when children start to, to link ideas together, then yeah, you will have to explain, well, how is it that you will, you, you may have a baby or not one day is, is due to the fact that you're having, that you're experiencing menstruation. But there's so much more content around periods that can be explored with children. And I, I think I've never personally, I've never shied away from changing period products in front of them you know my bathroom is sort of isn't is somewhere that's a very open place my children walk in and out of the bathroom and my period products are all in the cupboard it's it's something that my two-year-old goes to because she just likes the look of all these little tampons and all these pads and all these beautiful colors and and now we've got menstrual cups to discuss and <laughs> um and because of my teaching I get sent a lot of these samples and so I I I have no shame in saying my two-year-old plays with menstrual cups in the bath. My my demonstration kit of menstrual cups has, has been a popular bath toy. But it means that they're going to, you know, come to you when they have a problem. I remember so yeah. well trying to put a tampon in for the first time on yeah. my own with this kind of slightly difficult to understand diagrams mm. you know and your head you know something you've done for the first time you're a bit worried about it you'll probably heard all these you know myths around periods and like the fact that it's going to be really painful and you know I was I reading in your book that you're not a virgin if you've used a tampon all this kind of stuff so it's actually so important I hope my daughter comes to me and says can you help me with this because mm. that would be so much better than her trying to do it on her own absolutely absolutely I mean the amount of you know, young people, the, the, the myth around internal products and virginity is, is one of those really hard myths to bust. And I think it's because it's in a lot of local academies I teach in anyway, there's, there's a cultural layer to this as well. 
around virginity being something that needs to be intact and you know that 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 virginity is something that's a really solid social construct when actually we there's so many different ways of, of describing sex nowadays you know it's not just penis and vagina sex and the concept around you know what the hymen is and actually some children aren't born with hymens and sometimes the hymen can be broken through horse riding and we need to just really have all these different conversations so that you know, if a young person wants to use a tampon, that, you know, they shouldn't shy away from that because they're worried about it affecting their virginity. But with that is obviously, you know, lots of different cultural layers that are that are quite complicated for young people to shift. Mm. We really hope that young people can come to us first, because in the current state, even with the new guidance, young people are getting two hours a year on menstruation from year six. So it's clearly not enough and that's well, going year to be six, they start when they're 10 and if periods can potentially start and this obviously is it. it is young but in some like uh, in some ethnic communities you're more likely aren't you to start um puberty a little bit earlier yes so i think asian commun- asian children generally start commu- uh, uh, puberty a little bit earlier and, yes i mean maybe that's one of the African reasons countries as well very early from yeah. around eight or nine yeah and and uh, also increasing weight plays a plays you know if you've got a heavier child then yes it's true that they might well start puberty a little bit earlier absolutely and maybe that's one of the reasons that you know ch- children aren't having the conversation in time because i mean uh, that came as a real surprise to me that yeah. as young as eight children can start experiencing puberty i think it's it's younger now than it's ever been we used to talk about 11 and 12 mm. and we think about just the number 13 you know thinking about the teen years was when we used to just assume that that was when it started but even in different families there's such a disparity you know i see families where have two daughters one is 15 when she starts and the other is 11 and they're only 2 years apart and they have the same diet they have the same you know environmental factors so um, I think it's, it's really, really important to prepare children for it before it happens. And I see the reaction even in my extended family. You know, the first thing I did when I got the book was to send it to all my family members. And one of my nieces who I saw on holiday this summer just ran up to me in the middle of this big canteen in this holiday resort. She said, Auntie Saskia, I got my period. And she was so over the moon and didn't have a care in the world if anyone was going to hear her. And I was thrilled because I'd obviously just caught the boat of her starting menstruation. She'd received the book in time. But the, the pride that she had in telling me just showed me that there is a generation of young people who've missed out massively. And now we're doing the untangling. But we have a really good chance here with this next generation of young people to reframe the whole conversation around periods. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. It's also, I think I read it in your book, a really good opportunity to check that everything is okay. You know, yes. so often something's going on inside us and we have no idea. Mm. But actually, the fact that you've got regular periods is a really good indication that you, your overall health is, is really good. And actually, men don't have that sort of monthly check-in, do they? Absolutely. And I think that was why I really wanted this to be part journal because I really wanted this not just to be a really heavy textbook like we have in schools. I wanted it to be an interactive book, which is why there's activities in it as well. But the tracking is really about tuning into the fact that there are four phases and the fact that everybody's phases will be different in length. And but also to, to link those phases, you know, in the book, I link them a lot to seasons, but to, to be able to know exactly where you are on what day in your cycle you know, off the top of your head is quite an empowering thing to know about yourself. And I've lost track of how many times I've been, I've been through a lot of, of fertility struggles. So my periods were always a central part of any conversation around IVF. But even, you know, when we're talking about health in general, doctors will often ask us, you know, when was your last period? When, you know, when did you, when did you last bleed? And are your period, periods regular? And we have this, this inner compass that that's that's able to to give you know the outside world and ourselves a really good sign of where we are but also for your own understanding i think you know obviously hormones play a huge part in how we might be feeling on a particular day and it's difficult mm. if you're usually the outgoing positive enthusiastic girl mm. and just that week you're feeling a bit down yeah and it can be quite confusing you don't know why are you just not fun anymore and actually to be able to understand the impact that your period has on your overall mood helps so much just to say oh yes i'm in this phase of my period i always feel a bit hungrier or a bit more tired or a bit less up for you know doing stuff and that i think in itself mm. is really reassuring to be able to say to your child who's just having a bit of a low week it's okay it's because your period and actually next week you'll be feeling fine again that's one of the the best things that they can hear absolutely i mean with with my very young children we try and have that conversation around tiredness and say, well, you know why you're crying like this? And you know why you're just feeling really unhappy today? It's because you've had a really long week and you're really tired. And to try and sort of give that foundation, if, you, if that foundation is rocky, then that explains a lot of the consequences of that. And I think absolutely then when you start introducing the idea of hormones, then I think it can be such a confusing time for tweens and, and teens because they feel a loss of control and they are trying to navigate all this injection of hormones on their own. And if we can sort of help them to realize that actually these are things that are being triggered by your brain and they're going to have this physical impact on your body, but there's also going to be a psychological impact on how you feel. And so I, I really wanted there to be strong emphasis on, on, on emotional fluctuations. And likewise, for physical changes and physical pain, a very important part of the chapter, which I called the difficult period, was to draw a line. Where is the line between normal period discomfort 
and then what's abnormal and what is pain. And a wonderful lady called Emma Cannon taught me very early on that period pain is not normal. And that sentence alone changed my angle into how I approached my own periods and I realised then I needed to do something about it. But I think we, we feel this, this shame seeking support and, and I think there's, there's, um, there needs to be much more an open conversation around you know, finding someone that you can trust to go and see when it comes to navigating any sort of period pain and that there are natural remedies, yes, wonderful, but that also something might be up. Mm. And, and for that, young people need to be able to refer to trusted adults who then help them on towards professional medics. Mm-hmm. Because we, we are, you know, periods, as we said, there's such a fantastic gauge for where we are. But I think, you know, we don't really connect with them as much as we should you know, and I, I speak from a personal point of view as well. I think that there's such a good opportunity to to just really even tune into blood colour, blood texture, blood clots. All that is a sign of where we are and what we've eaten and how we're feeling and, you know, how we've experienced the last month. So I, I wanted to be able to give clues and signs in the book about how to tune into the blood that we see and it's a really important preparation then for when you are pregnant because yeah. actually what's coming out of your vagina is a really good indication both what you know while you're pregnant but then mm. afterwards again of of you know how healthy you are yes we're constantly the saying on the bum class you know if you've got if you pass a clot or there's something mm. that's a bit keep that pad or take a picture of it and yes. people sort of recoil and think that's the most disgusting thing you can't possibly you know show that to the poor midwife but i say you know the midwives are delighted because then it gives them more uh, they've seen worse yeah. to, to work out <laughs> <laughs> ultimately they want to make sure that you're okay and the mm. more you give them to work that out then mm. the easier their job is and the more likely they are to succeed at their job absolutely and I think that you know as wonderful as internal products are specifically tampons they have meant that we haven't had to look at blood because we're just whipping them in whipping them out putting them in the bin Although and you can have a look at it when it comes out. You can have a look at it, yes, that's true. But I think with a pad there or a cup now, you can you can really have a good look. Mm. So I loved your chapter on on sort of period products mm. because again, you know, when I thought about having the period chat with with my children, I was thinking more on, you know, this is what a period is, this is what it enables you to do. It didn't really it didn't really think about the sort of practicalities, but obviously that's such an important part of it. And to be honest, I haven't had a period for ages because I've on the coil. And so and actually I'm slightly out of touch with what's available. Yeah. One of the things you point out in your book that yes, you know, traditionally we use tampons and and pads, but actually a lot of the younger generation are very environmentally conscious and those aren't great for the environment so what other options are there and that was a brilliant conversation because you're so honest about the benefits and the drawbacks of each product but also the idea that different products will suit different people at different times in their lives absolutely i mean menstrual cups are possibly the healthiest most financially you know they make the most financial sense and environmentally they don't have there's no waste there's no there's no detrimental impact on the planet just quickly talk to me what a, 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 so a, men- a menstrual cup is it looks a bit like a sort of mini wine glass <laughs> and it has so it has a stem but and it doesn't it's not have, made of glass no it's made of, of silicone mm-hmm. and it's 
it looks like a little wine glass, but it doesn't have the bit on the bottom, the base. Mm-hmm. So you can imagine sort of the cup shape, and then there's a little stem at the bottom, which usually has ridges. Like a funnel on it. almost. Yeah, like exactly. A mini funnel. Yeah. But there's the blood wouldn't come out of it. It's blocked inside the stem. And they are, I mean, they, in the book, actually, I realized that I did find some information on, on as early as 1937, someone came up with a mock-up of a menstrual cup, but it's only in the last 10 years, I'd say they've, they've come to market. And now there's so many brands of cups and a lot of people like them because you can just buy one cup and use one cup and then that's it. Um, you can, you know, you spend between 12 and 20 pounds on a cup and then you can use that for, you know, five, six, seven, eight years, depending on how it lasts. So it makes the most sense, but young people aren't ready for menstrual cups and there has been not good education around cups. You know, they're fiddly to insert. There's 101 different types of folding techniques. You need to be able to spend some good time in your bathroom just fiddling around well and I really struggled to put a tampon in first time around it looks like a cup is a lot more fiddly than than a tampon much more fiddly you know a tampon if especially if you have an applicator then it's it's pretty easy once you've got the hang of it but with cups you need to also make sure that they're not too high the the default is to just push as high as possible but actually you can put it too high so that the top of the cervix is sitting in and actually it will end up leaking Um, despite the fact that it's not full but young people aren't ready for menstrual cups just as they're not ready for tampons that's sometimes just not ready for internal products at all and so with young people I'll focus much more on reusable pads but you're absolutely right you need to go through the practicalities from beginning to end with young people because you can't just give them a product and expect them to work it out because they, they just won't use it properly and they will you know, in schools, if, you, if you're if trying to push a reusable, sustainable product, you need to go through all the steps of how you attach it, how you remove it, where you're going to put it once you remove it, where's your fresh one. All that needs, you know, discussion around, have you got a wet bag? It's not going to leak in your school bag. When you get home, how are you going to rinse it out? And then where are you going to put it? you know, in which wash and are you okay for people at home to see that you're doing this or is this going to be an uncomfortable situation for you? And if you don't go through that level of detail, they will just use a disposable because it's easier to just whip it off and stick it in the bin. Or they'll have a situation where they're at school and they're like, oh my God, I need to wash this or I can't get it in. And they haven't thought about it and they haven't bought a pad. So then suddenly they're in school and they're bleeding and they can't control it. And they need to use toilet paper. Yeah. 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 You know, in the same way that, you know, my children thought it would be a great idea to have a pet octopus until we thought about the sort of practicalities. They just don't think about the practicalities, do they? And and I think your book's a really good reminder that actually this is a whole new world for them, mm. you know, especially if, if they haven't had the conversation early. But even if they have, they haven't thought about the practicality of what it's like to be. I mean, another thing I really liked in your book was, you know, how to get a blood stain out. Yes. Because we all had that. And all actually, there is an easy way to get a blood stain. Yes. Your, your tip is always to yes. use cold water, which... Yes. Yeah, I, I definitely know yeah. that one. Yes. That again, such important information that I would never have thought to tell my child. Mm, absolutely. I mean, mm. the stains and the leaks, like I said, it's the most mortifying thing that any young person wants to go through. Um, but we have to discuss it in class because it's something that we've all experienced. I mean, especially leaking through white trousers onto, onto you know, a guest's brand new white sofa or I something like that. I still have nightmares about we it. We all have I those mean, nightmares. Proper trauma. <laughs> 
But again, I really wanted to make sure that at the beginning of the book, there's this trusted adult section because they need to know where to go to get help. You know, it, it is so embarrassing. And I think, you know, they need to be able to find who are the menstruators that they live with and how did they experience menstruation and what products did they use and to really try and, and bring out, you know, some purpose and context around the whole the whole issue of menstruation in their household and even in their local communities. I mean, the, my, the first chapter is about the first period and about cultural celebrations of periods around the world. And I've been talking to lots of local community centres and they are so open now to, you know, helping families to celebrate this, this first period. And I think, you know, that could be something that that is achieved through us just talking about it and to, to actually have these events where, you know, we all gather together and, and it's a celebration of the transition between childhood and adulthood and to get, to just start a really positive spin that, that, that whole aspect of it, I find really exciting. I mean, it's obviously an intimate thing having a period. Mm. Ultimately it is blood coming out of your vagina it's the significance that you are sort of now fertile which you know yes is is there to be celebrated but I get that not everyone wants to sort of on a banner be like I'm menstruating you know you just might have a child or a family or an environment where yes this is nothing to be ashamed about but we don't want to sing it from the roots and I I can sort of I can imagine that and in that sort of scenario you obviously want to kind of maintain that positivity but you don't necessarily want to have a party and everyone arrives and yay congrats and what's your blood like and yeah. are you, have you got a tampon or have you got a, you know yes. you don't necessarily want to have yes. those conversations yes how do you deal with it in that in that well, situation? I think just in like in every way there's children are so different in the way they respond to things I mean I can see even with my three girls there's going to be very different reactions I can imagine my eldest will probably want to shout it through from the rooftops because she is desperate to get her ears pierced and I've said well you can get your ears pierced when you have your periods so her reaction I'm sure will be a positive one but I'm not sure my middle child will want everybody to know she's much more introvert and she embarrasses quite easily and she yeah she's an observer so I think it, you just have to to go with what your child's comfort zone is and but the, the I think the the event or the you know the party with the period party that we're putting together doesn't have to be something that's that's really gory either yeah I think it you know a lot of these parties I, I see them they're called you know first moon parties and you, you get together and you just celebrate um, adulthood. And this and is typically just women or do boys come A lot well? of the time it's just women. Mm-hmm. But now more and more we're trying to make it inclusive of all genders. So, yeah. Period party cake. I mean, I guess what you could always <laughs> do is just buy something, even if it's just, you know, just something or get something or A make gift, something. Something or, to, yeah. to mark the occasion. Yeah, yeah that they've, absolutely. That they've really wanted. Yeah, yeah. I the other thing I really liked was again practical advice about how to wash your vagina I see such misconception the whole time that you know when when again when we teach the the antenatal classes we just say you know when you're bleeding afterwards please don't use any vaginal soap Mm. even if it says especially for your vagina you do Mm. not need to douche it you do need to squirt water up your vagina you Mm. just need to gently wash it with water and yet there's such misconception about that I know I mean I've had women's literally on the bump class go Going, no no you absolutely have to use soap yeah. <laughs> no. it's I find this part of the conversation around our 
our genitals very worrying because it's a narrative that has been perpetuated by really big brands who are selling completely useless products or damaging products damaging products um that are having an impact on a highly absorbent part the most absorbent part of our body and there are some high profile celebrities that are endorsing things like douching and you know some high profile gynecologists who who are desperately trying to unpack all of that but yeah, we just need to go to a local chemist to see the amount of products that are available and that make us believe that our vulvas need to smell of lily of the valley. You know, my, my eldest has noticed that her vulva has a, has a scent. And so we're just saying, well, all vulvas smell. And sometimes of the month they smell more than others. But your vulva has a magical way of self-cleaning. I mean, we look at the way that we bleed when our period finishes within a few days that there is they usually isn't a trace of blood and that is it has a, a, a fantastic way of you know expulsing every last bit and we think about what our vulvas go through what our vaginas go through you know through you know childbirth different sexual experiences to periods to discharge to you know there's a lot going on in mm. that area of our body mm. and yet it has this bounce back capacity and so there's there's a lot of good things happening now with with trying to hold these big companies accountable for are are these really necessary products? You know, there's some some horrendous soaps and gels and liquids that are marketed even as, deodorants and sprays. deodorants as around the vulva. There's some that apparently claim to rebuild the hymen, so that virginity is reconstructed. I mean, the the Vagina Museum in London has done an exhibition on this and it's quite frightening the amount of products that exist to, you know, bleach the area and, yeah, around virginity, it's, it's, it's quite frightening, all the different products. But specifically around scent, I think there's a lot to be said to young people about um, that vaginas smell mm-hmm. um, and they smell differently at different times of the month. Mm. And that's a good thing. Yeah. And there's a, a fantastic video, actually, that I posted recently on, on my Instagram, which is about how to wash your vulva, and it is with water and your hands. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't require any soap. Well, and we're also starting to understand a lot more about the different biomes that exist, you know, mm. in our gut, on our body. And I was talking to an obstetrician who's doing a lot of research into recurrent miscarriages. And what they're beginning to understand is that the bacteria in the cervix is one of the big predictors of whether or not an embryo will survive and um, or, or the body will miscarry and they're just starting to understand that now that the kind of bacteria in the in the vulva mm. in the vagina is incredibly important mm. to our reproductive health but also mm. our overall health and so yeah. stripping it with these harsh chemicals is about the worst thing you can do yeah absolutely and I think also the the trying to mask it with all kinds of scents is also not helping us to gauge when there is a problem with infection because some infections such as endometriosis you can have very very strong fishy smells from that fishy discharge and that's a big clue that something's up and if you're constantly washing with lily of the valley or bergamot or whatever it is you will miss those clues mm. and potentially you know push the buck down push the can down the road and until you know 
potentially it's too late. Well, and also it perpetuates the idea that, you know, any smell from a vagina is is dirty and that periods are dirty and that we should be ashamed. I mean, it was so interesting. I actually showed my daughter the picture um, that you have in your book of the, I think, outside a a church or some religious building saying, you know, we kindly ask women who are menstruating not to enter because they're unclean. And these are in communities where family is everything and where big families exist. Well, also, how can they tell? I mean, (laughs) well, I read something about women having to strip down in some areas, so it's going quite far. But actually, my mum took that in India and sent it to me, sent it to me, um, and it was rife. It was in most temples. And... I think, yeah. And is this, it's so great that this conversation has started to happen here. It's so great that you've published your book. I'm so glad that I know this is going to be a really popular uh, episode of the podcast. But is this happening in those communities? Is this conversation happening in India? Or is, you know, this idea that menstruating women are unclean still the common belief? There have been some pretty horrendous stories about women dying in menstrual huts, specifically in Nepal. And now organizations like UNICEF have been basically trying to to hold communities accountable for what is obviously something that's completely against all their human rights Um, and young girls who don't even understand what's going on are being sent to menstrual huts and so it's taken events like that to happen for the the tide to change as such Um, and now you know I see on on Instagram alone there are lots of organizations India has been quite uh, proactive with all their period education because they've suffered from massive period poverty Um, and it's worth saying that period poverty also exists here in the UK Um, so period poverty is is lack of access to menstrual products but it's also the negative narrative around periods so periods being massively demonized And in India, specifically in large parts of Asia, it has been rife period poverty. But there is um, a change. There's been a a fantastic campaign, which has actually been led by a man. Um, And there's a fantastic YouTube video, if anyone wants to look it up. It's called The Period Man of Poon. And he realizes that in his community, girls are missing school. Because why is it you're missing school? Because we're cursed. And he doesn't understand, he is baffled by this because he sees that family, community, children, something celebrated, you know, baptisms are something that it's, it's a, you know, it's weddings. A, it's, yes, it's a Three huge weddings. event. Yeah. Yet something that is so normal, natural and healthy is completely stigmatized. Yeah. So he goes around his community talking about periods and he creates groups of women who then start making reusable pads and um, not only does it give them lots of purpose but it's spreading the period positivity in the community and that has spread massively Um, and that is a video actually that I show even in the UK um, because even in the UK 27% of young people have been affected by period poverty and have missed school and that's in the UK well, in 2017, I mean, until, that study was done. Was it last year that the period tax, the, the, the tampon tax was finally removed last it's, year? Well, it was. It went through Parliament last year, but it's this year that we, we benefit from it. So you can get a helicopter and not pay tax, but you can't buy a menstrual pad. <laughs> I know. Um, but yes, so that the, the, the period products... So in 2017, when Plan UK did the study... The survey around period poverty, the government 
um, did what it does really well, which is throw money at it. So now all schools, all state schools are eligible for period products. And that was rolled out last year. But with COVID, there was a really delayed reaction. Um, and so s- some schools have signed up for their free free provision. Um, others aren't yet. So um, we've been working, a lot of sex, sex educators and I have been working to try and encourage schools to really sign up because that is a massive opportunity missed by providing young people with products in schools. You're saying we're here to meet your menstrual needs as well. Um, having said that, they're, they're mainly um, the big brands, which are 90% plastic. So, um, yeah, there is an op- more, there's lots more work to be done in schools, but it's, it's beginning. It's, it's beginning. beginning. Yeah. yeah. Well, those first steps are often the hardest. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Saskia, thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure talking to you. It's such an important conversation. And I highly recommend this this book. Um, so this period in my life is basically this, this guidebook and journal. And I remember reading it thinking, why would you need to journal your period? Surely that's too much information. But actually, as Saskia was saying, um, just being able to understand how your period changes and how your mood changes and how you're feeling, I think it's such an empowering way just to understand a bit more about your body, which is always going to be, you know, massively helpful mm. um so thank you so much um for, for producing this thank um, you Saskia, what's the, where's the best place to get the book from so you can get it from my website which is saskiabujo.com and i'm doing a discount code actually for your listeners which is juno 15 j-u-n-o 15 um, and that is also backed by juno magazine who um have, have been very supportive and who are um really you know green light with the whole sustainability issue so they've um have helped me put together a discount code so juno 15 will give your listeners 15 percent off yeah and the retail um, price is 10.49 so it turns yeah. it into what 8.50 or something like yeah. that exactly. 8.57 i think yeah <laughs> <laughs> no but i will be very good at talking about periods <laughs> Thank you, Saskia. Thank you, Marina. Really, really helpful. Uh, remind me, um, I love your Instagram account. It's factsoflife.ed. .ed. Yes. It's gr- brilliant. Yeah. Really, really good. Yeah. And thank you all for downloading another episode of The Parenthood. You can subscribe, rate and review us wherever you've heard this podcast. You can also follow me on Instagram. I'm at marina.fogel. But in the meantime, from Saskia and me, thanks for listening and goodbye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.